Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself, go board yourself. You wanna smoke. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode eighty-seven of Crow Bud Yourself. We have a great show for you guys this week. Uh, our special guest is Mr. Kyle Cushman. We wrap up uh, an event we just recently did together, as well as much more. Uh, we've got our strain of the fortnight. We got a grow tip on dealing with fungus gnats, as well as grow Q and A. All brought to you by Organic Rev, Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, and Rocket Seeds. Stick around. Episode eighty-seven is coming at you. What if I told you you could grow healthier, faster growing plants and increase your yield? Well, you can with Organic Rev. You can even try it out for free. Rev is a growth stimulant, not a nutrient. So simply adding Rev to your current regimen can deliver dramatic results. I've been using Rev and it works great. I tried it out on my houseplants first and they absolutely love it. They responded immediately by greening up and looking healthy and strong. Like me, many cannabis growers have turned to Rev to increase fertilizer efficiency, improve nutrient uptake and root zone development, stimulate seed germination, and reduce transplant shock. And for a limited time, Grow Bud Yourself listeners can try out Rev for free. Simply head to organicrev.com gby10, click on the free trial tab on the top left, pay $5 for shipping and handling, and get a free 4-ounce bottle of Organic Rev today. I know, once you try it, you'll love it as much as I do. And you can get 10% off your first order of Organic Rev with the promo code GBY10. So visit organicrev.com gby10 and find out what Rev can do for your plants. All right, welcome back. This is episode 87. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. And here we are, episode 87. And how are you feeling, Mike? I'm doing well. Who would have thought we made it to 87? Incredible. <laughs> yeah, weekly. I mean, this more is or less. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited, man. I, I, uh, I had this event. Uh, we'll be talking about it a bit later with Kyle Cushman um, here this past weekend. Uh, actually Super Bowl Sunday and met some of the uh, listeners there was definitely some hardcore grow bud yourself listeners at the event so I want to shout out uh, everyone that came up and said hello Uh, thanks for listening thanks for the passion I mean people were really uh, I wish I had remembered to bring some stickers and stuff too Um, I actually spaced on that but uh, I have grow bud yourself stickers you guys if you reach out and you want some we have grow bud yourself merch uh, at growbudyourself.com. Um, so please, you know, if you enjoy the show and you drink coffee or you've got an iPhone or, um, you know, there's a water bottle too on there, uh, show if your you pride. Drink for, water. Yeah, if you drink water. Yeah, so pretty much everyone. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah, and you don't have to just put water in the water thing either. I mean, no. you know, yeah. use your to, imagination. <laughs> a cider, mm-hmm. you know cannabis infused seltzer whatever you like man but uh show your pride you know in being a fan of the show uh get yourself some grow bud yourself merch but i just i uh you know i just want to say man thanks everyone for uh for reaching out and saying hello and uh sharing your stories with us 
uh, it was really just a, a pleasure. Kyle and I are going to break it down a little bit um, in the interview segment, but I just wanted to mention right off the bat that uh, it really uh, it does my heart proud to know that there's people out there uh, that that love the show and that appreciate high quality cannabis and everything that we discuss, our interviews, our our banter. And even, you know, maybe even our merch. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I met some Patreon supporters too, um, some heady chiefs. It was awesome. So thanks for the support. Thanks for the kind words. Um, thanks for coming out. Some people came a long way for that. Uh, and yeah, man, it was great. Um, well, that sounds great, man. And I also had a very good Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'm not a Rams fan or a Bengals fan, but our old friend Craig Coffey, um, who we know from High Times, and he works with Whoopi and Maya. Good, good guy. He he had this uh this Super Bowl squares thing, and he was on my ass for weeks about buying some squares. You know, I only have ten squares left. I only have seven squares left. <sighs> on Super Bowl Sunday, he had two left, and he's like, he's texting me throughout the day. Come on, man, just buy these squares. I need to get rid of them. I bought the two. Ended up winning the second quarter and the grand prize at the end. So Whoa. hooray for gambling. I think I'm hooked. I think I'm a gambler now. <laughs> what do you yeah, think? Well, should I, I, should you know, I just I've start bought, gambling? I've bought five five of those squares. Oh, you were in the thing? I took your oh, money. You took my money. Oh nice. I have yeah. I don't think I've ever won even like a quarter or a half or anything. I, I had no idea squares. you were in that same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not a huge gambler here and there, you know. One of these days one of these years. <laughs> I'll win. But yeah, I, I was in there as well, yeah. I think I think I'm hooked. The rush of it all, you know, the adrenaline. I feel like I should go to Atlantic City right now and just, <laughs> just double down. Wow. See what I, I mean, do. gambling's for suckers, but mm-hmm. I just got to get that out there. So just so everyone knows, then people that think like, you know, the bookies or the casinos are, are also gambling. They are not. <laughs> bookies want the same amount bet on both teams because they make the VIG in the middle. Um and, you're yeah, you're ruining this for me, man. Come on. All right, look, Some people let's call set the, the over-under on the length of this show at, at, at 57 minutes. I'll take the over. <laughs> but I edit it, so I guess that's Always take fair. the over. Yeah, yeah well, you, yeah. No, you're, you're an inside player. Yeah, on I don't think. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, I, I don't really gamble at all, but that was fun. And uh, I didn't realize you were in there, so thank you for, for the cash. I appreciate that. Well, you should maybe at least take me out to lunch or something i probably should actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that we'll we'll figure it out off air fair enough but yeah look, we're looking forward to having kyle on this is his fourth time on the show which uh which is an incredible thing and he also used to do the old free weed show as well so uh good good guy good interview coming up but before we get to that we should probably talk a little bit about the news yeah yeah what's going on out there well, there's a few things, so I think we'll, we'll go kind of quick here. But starting out in Massachusetts, this is kind of a big deal. Uh, for the first time ever there, the, the tax revenue from legal recreational cannabis surpassed the tax collected from alcohol. So for years, activists have been saying that cannabis is safer than alcohol. And now in Massachusetts, they could say it's actually more lucrative uh, at the halfway point of the fiscal year. Uh, Massachusetts reported taking in $74.2 million in marijuana excise taxes, and that is compared to just $51.3 million in alcohol tax. Wow. Well, you know what? I'm looking forward to seeing this in the, in the uh, you know, terms of, like, the potholes on the roads being fixed, uh, the education system, these teachers 
um, being paid properly, uh, the schools having resources for the kids, uh, you know, I mean, that's what we're paying taxes for. I don't, I don't want to buy uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, Navy ships. It's important to protect ourselves, but I think we're pretty good at this point. Mm. Uh, let's have those taxes go back into improving our communities. And in that way, uh, we can show, again, that cannabis legalization is b- great for everyone. It's not just for people who don't want to go to jail uh, for smoking cannabis. It's for uh, kids. You know, it helps the schools. It helps playgrounds. It helps uh, the roads. You know, it benefits everybody. And uh, before, it was only benefiting a few. And some of them, you know, obviously uh, in the business for the for maybe for the wrong reasons. So uh, I think, you know, it, it, it's the same as when, you know, the people of a dispensary go out and help clean up the neighborhood around their shop and uh, meet the neighbors and talk to, you know, the bakery next door and reassure them that, hey, you're going to do great business. And we are here as emissaries of this plant. And, um, you know, and that goes for people that are customers, too. You know, you don't just walk out of a dispensary and, and light up a joint in your car and blow up the spot in the parking lot. Be respectful of the neighbors. Be respectful of the shop. Uh, and don't blow your smoke into kids' faces. Don't, you know, make, you know, make the cops have to get involved in a situation. Um, be a responsible cannabis user because we, we have to put on a, a good face and show the world that... We're not derelict potheads. Now, the bakery would actually be a pretty good name for a dispensary. So <laughs> there you go. I, it makes me think of the spot. There's a spot in Amsterdam right across from uh, Gray Area. And I think when Gray Area, you know, first moved in there, they, you know, the traditional Dutch baker is kind of looking down his nose and saying, you know, what's happening to the neighborhood, but very quickly discovered that uh, <laughs> there might be a connection with the spike in uh, baked goods sales yeah. connected to the proximity to a uh, cannabis smoking establishment. So businesses uh, and now they love booming. them. You know, they love each other, and like they, you know, it's all, there's almost like a little funny sitcom there. <laughs> you know? But uh, you know, it's important to to support the places we love and also have those places give back to their communities. And I mean, I'm digressing a bit, but that's what I want those taxes to go for. If, if It's great that we're making more money than alcohol. Uh, that's wonderful. I think that's great for society. But I also think that, you know, we want to look into where the, those taxes are going and, and, and what's being funded by them and how we can best use those funds to improve the life for everybody. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, that's what's happening in Massachusetts. Let's jump over to New Jersey, a state that is not collecting taxes on cannabis sold. And uh, part of the reason is they're about to miss their self-imposed deadline uh, for launching retail pot sales. It was supposed to be February 22nd. Uh, that is just in a couple of days, and it's not going to happen. Uh, Governor Phil Murphy is not really concerned about this. His uh, his sentiment is that he'd rather they get it right than do it fast. But cannabis companies in New Jersey are suffering a little bit. There are repercussions for missing this deadline. Uh, some of them ramped up their staffing in advance of it. Obviously, they they have their supply ready to go for uh, the to to meet the demand of the marijuana market. 
And uh, some of them are saying they're going to have to let people go. They might have to destroy product because, of course, like any produce, it has a uh, shelf life. So yeah, New Jersey is going to miss its uh, its deadline for the launch of retail sales. Hmm. That's unfortunate because you know when you've got a governor that wants it to happen, I don't know why it could it should be delayed. It, it, uh, I hope they get 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 that stuff in order because again, New York, New Jersey, whoever whoever goes first is going to have that jump uh, on this whole tri-state area. Um, and we've got many, many millions of people in a very small area that all want to get high and are finding ways around it at this point because places are opening up and people are jumping the gun in <laughs> in some ways because they uh, they want to supply the marketplace that that has a demand, a huge demand. Uh, you know what I predict would be a five to ten billion dollar a year industry minimum. So, well. Speaking of who's going to be first in the tri-state area, it's looking more and more like that could be Connecticut. Uh, they still anticipate launching retail sales uh, later this year in 2022. However, uh, 40% of Connecticut towns have opted out of the cannabis industry. Now, the state law allows towns to either ban the industry or uh, place a moratorium on pot businesses, which would allow them to then revisit the question of a cannabis industry and their jurisdiction. So 22 jurisdictions at this point have opted out entirely, while 53 have placed that moratorium on cannabis businesses. Hmm. So, um, yeah, Connecticut, 40%. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that's not so bad. 50% of New York towns opted out, while 70% of towns in New Jersey and 90% of Maine towns opted out. Hmm. Wow. I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I don't expect Connecticut to be a huge powerhouse. I mean, the whole population is 3.5 million for the whole state. Uh, and you know, out of those, not every obviously not everyone's a con cannabis consumer. Right now, Connecticut's losing business to Massachusetts. Obviously, there's dispensaries right there on the border. People are driving up and driving back. Hopefully, that money can can now stay in Connecticut. Uh, but it's really, I think, New York, New Jersey, uh, that are going to be a big driver here on the east uh, in terms of cannabis, like the way that Massachusetts um, and on a smaller scale, I guess Maine are but uh let's do it right we have the opportunity so um i just want to be able to to go to a farmer's market and buy nice jars of cannabis from local farms that are grown with love absolutely and uh lastly let's talk about new york because Retail sales have been put off. We're looking at a launch date at some point in 2023. Some pot businesses, they're getting a little antsy. So what they've been doing is uh, this gifting scheme, and that's when um, you sell a bag of nuts or a T-shirt or a piece of art for sort of an exorbitant price, but you give away a little bit of cannabis with that purchase. So it's sort of a loophole, a way around the law. But New York lawmakers, they're they are not fooled by this. They are cracking down on gifting in uh, New York. The Office of Cannabis Management has sent out uh, at least 24 letters to businesses ordering them to stop this ganja gifting immediately. And if they don't, they could face a possible arrest, possible fines. But then most crucially, they're saying that, that if they continue this this cannabis gifting, it could impact whether or not they receive a cannabis license. So that that probably will 
will influence uh, these companies and and have them stop this practice. But it's kind of hard to blame them at this point. It's been so long. It's been a year almost since since pot was legalized in New York. Um, You know, they're just trying to supply what, what people in the state want. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it, it would be sad if it affects their ability to get a license. At the same time, you know, others are waiting patiently and uh, trying to do the right do it the right way. So it's tough. Uh, the point being, though, is if, if you got one of these letters, I mean, you got to really think about this, this thing through because they obviously know what you're doing. They obviously know that uh, they don't consider it legal yet uh and uh you know i would take that for what it's worth i mean they've got your address they know what you're doing and they sent you a cease and desist it's it's almost like they're giving you uh a pass yeah one time one time but if you continue doing what you're doing it might put into jeopardy your ability to open a legal business down the road so you know it's it's tough to think about i mean i for me i'm I'm in it for the long haul, you know, and I'm I'm waiting for for the regulations to be in place and for the licensing and everything to be intact before I make any moves uh, on of that nature. Not that I have anything planned anyway, but but that would be my approach because it's great to make some quick bucks right now, but if it affects your ability long, down the road, it's not worth it. But uh, people also want to establish their brands and make themselves known. So it's it, the the delays in the licensing and registration is really the problem, and that's what's putting us into this bind and making these places jump the gun. So what we really need is for them to speed up the process, and 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 lower the bar of entry, uh, so that anyone who grows can make a living selling some of their what they grow. Uh, Anyone with a storefront can have a consumption lounge. I mean, the more the merrier. Let the let the free market figure it out. You know, that's the way I see it. I, I don't think it's smart to cap it at, you know, 25 or even 100 dispensaries or, or this amount of consumption lounges. Let the market decide. If there, if there needs to be a consumption lounge on every corner in New York, so be it. If they can sustain themselves financially, then that's the way it should be. That's true capitalism, by the way. I mean, that's... That's even beyond. I mean, that's almost, you know, what you would call libertarianism, which, you know, it's just let the market decide uh, if I want I, I want to buy my cannabis from, like I said, a local small batch organic veganic farmer who's uh, basically creating uh, small amounts of high quality cannabis and I'll pay a little extra for it. Uh, other people just want to go to the shop, buy a vape pen uh, from a place that looks like an Apple store. Let the marketplace decide. You know, there's room for everybody in this industry. And I think uh, farmers markets and, and that kind of thing should be able to coexist with the Apple stores. And I know where I'll be. I'll be at the farmer's market. You know, that's that's my plan. Cause that, that's where I'm going to get a better product. Even if I have to pay a little extra, uh, I'm going to support the places I I want to survive. All right. Well, that's all the news we got, but we we actually got a a message from a Patreon supporter of ours that kind of relates to this. So uh, 
Uh, Ptrot420 writes, uh, Hey Danny, longtime fan. Uh, with legalization for adult use sweeping New York, it astonishes me how many businesses have popped up along with the plethora of weed events. I've seen so much fuckery in other states, but some of the things I've seen here make me ashamed to have fought for legalization since 2010. I've seen events with on-site daycare for kids, aka encouraging minors to be present, alcohol and other drug use and sales, edibles being falsely labeled because people can't properly calculate the strength, and almost zero product testing for the deluge of weed products. Don't people realize it's this bullshit that makes our government think we need to be babysat? We could do better, New York. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess that relates exactly to what we're talking about. And I'm assuming that he's talking about uh, some of the seshes that go on. Uh, look, I mean, people are trying to fill the void that has been created by this ambiguity between legal cannabis and the underground. And uh, I obviously having on-site daycare for kids is probably not the best idea. Uh, having alcohol is not a good idea either. Uh, other drug use and sales, unless it's mushroom, uh, yeah, we'll, that's probably... We'll give that one a pass. Yeah, I'll give mushrooms a pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and everything else you mentioned, I mean, edibles falsely labeled, uh, the strength and, and, te and product testing, all of that is because of a lack of infrastructure uh, of, of labs and of, uh, you know, no regulation but yet legalization on paper. So uh, I do get what you're saying. It does sort of make the industry look bad in some ways. Uh, at the same time, uh, I, I don't mind the outlaw spirit uh, that people have uh, to take things into their own hands uh, as long as they understand the consequences because they know that they're in a gray area. And it's in those gray areas that you can, you know, you can make money uh, but if you're making that money and you want to be in it long term, you probably should try to make that gray area go away uh, and at least become more uh, of a regulated legal marketplace. Um, the way I see it, like I said, there should be farmers markets for cannabis. And as far as kids, I mean, look, if it's a, a consumption event, you, you shouldn't have kids around. If it's just a farmer's market where you can buy uh, vegetables at one stand and then the next stand has cannabis uh in jars that they're not selling to kids but kids can see it i don't see that as a problem because to me that's just normalizing cannabis uh you know the same as you know you wouldn't have kids at a beer festival but they can walk by uh, a bar <laughs> and know that you know there's stuff going on in there that's not for children so um you know, I'm not as concerned about it. I think uh, maybe the events that you're going to aren't the same as the events that I'm going to. I've definitely been to some where it's a bit of a trap fest, for sure. Uh, but, hey, you know, I mean, I, I can't begrudge somebody uh, trying to make a dollar. And especially, you know, uh, with all that ambiguity of the law. So, you know, it, it's it's a complicated situation. I feel like the the sooner the close sooner we can get to a regulated system that's not overregulated, you know, where we can have these consumption lounges, the dispensaries, the farmers markets, all of it, uh, and people can grow their own, then I think we'll be in a pretty decent place, and 
uh, I think New York will will be able to also show the way to uh, a more equitable legal marketplace. There you go. Well, thank you, Petrot420, for writing in. I guess the point is the longer New York uh, makes us wait for this uh, marketplace, the more, you know, we're going to have to take matters into our own hands, which creates problems. But we've made everyone wait long enough for an interview with Kyle Cushman. So so why don't we set that one up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, I mean, Kyle's, uh, you know, our he's an old friend of the show. I think he was on our first episode of Free Weed in 2011. He uh, was on... Uh, multiple uh, our first episodes of grow bud yourself as well and multiple this i think this is his third grow bud yourself so he's been on before he's taught us a lot uh he's been a great friend of the show and 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 of ours uh for many years we worked at high times together he was a mentor to me uh as far as growing and as far as writing and just helping to teach people the right way um to be a you know to grow for the right reasons uh, and to take pride in the product that you produce, the cannabis, the medicine, um, and really brought those ideas to the forefront of uh, organic, lightly fed, you know, concentrate on the terps, don't worry so much about the THC levels, uh, create uh, cannabis flowers that you can be proud of, and uh, store them, cure them, dry them properly, do it all right, and you'll have an amazing product. Uh, for pennies to the dollar. So Kyle, as I mentioned, he's just been a friend and a mentor, uh, a great softball pitcher, by the way, on the High Times Bong Hitters, uh, and a great friend. So I guess without further ado, why don't we take a break and we'll come back with Mr. Kyle Cushman. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. All right, welcome back to episode 87 of Grow Bud Yourself. We've got a very special guest on today. Uh, he's been on probably more than anyone else. Uh, the first free weed show and the first Grow By Yourself show. Uh, he is the legend, Mr. Kyle Cushman. Welcome. Whoa, ho. I think I want like a, a smoking jacket with the number of times I've been on like they give out on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, well, you got the record. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And, happy uh, to be yeah. here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. And uh, I should mention, we are revisiting an event that uh, you and I just participated in here in New York City in Queens uh, just this past weekend. It was uh, Own Your Grow, an event where uh, our friends, uh, OMG Productions, Own My Grow Productions, <laughs> OMG, 
uh, Aaron and Mindy brought uh, you out here to New York, back home, uh, and uh, people got to come to the smoke-friendly venue and meet you and I and, and hang out. And uh, we had some vendors and we had a lot of fun. But tell me what your uh, your thoughts on the event were. Um, it was a blast. Well, we had it, might as well mention, we had it at the Citadel, New York, for those of you familiar. And it's an absolutely beautiful event space. There's lots of tall windows and um, it was really, really nice. I mean, they they sold the place out with vendors and I got to see some old friends, you know, Brothers Grimm that I hadn't seen in a long time and um, met some new people. I li- really liked the Kusher people. They had really good weed, the Kusher people. Kusher, like a, a play on kosher. And yeah, and man, it was my homecoming. Believe it or not, I hadn't been home for over 10 years. I hadn't been back to New York for over 10 years. And uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I got to meet uh, some listeners of the show as well, which was really awesome, and uh, some really great people. Uh, some who came a real long way as well, so I appreciate that. Uh, and I got to introduce you, and um, I think this is one of the things that people don't quite understand is, you know, in my introduction, I talked about how I got started early on in the late 80s and, and 90s, and you know, I learned a lot from Ed and, and Jorge and all the people who had written books and and people who are writing in high times. Me and, too. Me too. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and I became a, a cash cropper. I made, started making a living growing and uh, at a time when, you know, that wasn't uh, quite so easy as, as now. But uh, uh, then I started reading your stuff and your, your articles weren't about that. They were about growing better cannabis, not more, not the quantity, but the quality. And, and it, and it also made it seem attainable. I mean, you literally were talking about closets uh, uh, and, and organic growing in a closet, which, you know, to me was, I, I, I thought, you know, you would need at least a few, a, a big, huge room to, to grow, but you didn't. And, and you had also head stash. I mean, you were growing for your, for, for, for personal use. And I mean, obviously, you know, a little bit on the side, however, things occur, but, but from my impression of, of those original articles and, and Andre's amazing photographs, you know, that were made into posters of the purple Kush harvest or the, uh, it just, it changed from, uh, just a way to kind of make money and, and get people high to something closer to, uh, you know, connoisseurship and aficionado, uh, you know, you brought the hippie vibe in a way, even though, like, I don't really think of you as a hippie, but you did bring. I always wanted to be a hippie. <laughs> but you really brought that, uh, that not only the, that that people could grow high quality cannabis and never have to pay for it, um, but that it was attainable, that, that they could do it themselves and fill their cupboard with jars of incredible, incredible cannabis grown properly and cured properly and never have to spend money, you know, on weed again. And it wasn't something that wasn't attainable. It was something you could do with one light in a tent or a closet. You know, Danny, that was really a nexus between who I was at the time and the fact that I just got an opportunity to work for high times. So like, you know, at the time, I truly was doing it for myself. 
And like you said, you, you, you can't decide how many tomatoes to grow. So if you grow a garden, you always have extra vegetables and you end up giving them away to your friends or sharing them or going to the market and selling them. Well, it's the same thing with weed. You can't decide I'm going to grow just what I, how much I need. You always end up with more than you need personally and you share it. And that's what initially it was. And I think that that's the vibe that I carried forward when I became a writer. When I became a writer, see, I wasn't a writer. I wasn't a journalist. I wasn't anything that I became at high times. And so it was that nexus, you know, I didn't change who I was. I just took who I was and blended it with what high times asked me to do. Right. The thing that it did for me personally is something clicked in my head. I literally went from, this is a way for me to make money. I mean, I love cannabis, but this is, I'm a cash cropper. I want, we all were, we all I want were, the, Danny. I want the, I want something that flowers in 45 days. I want bag appeal. I want yield. I want weight. And I want to sell it for 6,000 a pound if I can get it. And in my head, that's what, that's, where things were and but but reading your stuff changed that for me to i want to grow the best and i don't need to grow a ton of it because now i i you know i also am am getting legitimate work and 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 not only that but now i'm free to be more of an activist for cannabis and i think that people don't quite understand that you know that that it's it's very hard for some people to be activists at the same time as they're hustling and, and growing. So it is really, you know, I've seen a lot of people get, get hemmed up because of their, they were too open as activists, but this freed me up because I knew, okay, I'm not growing, you know, 16 lights in a big warehouse anymore. I'm, I'm growing in my tent for my personal use. And if they want to throw the book at me, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go to jail for life or anything. So I can be out there at the New York pot parade and I can, uh, and not only that, but but the act of growing is political. I mean, it's activism because you're you're creating more cannabis. You're overgrowing the government, and the higher the quality, the more you're going to convert more and more people to doing it. I mean, it's literally why I called in 2011. Mike and I started podcasting about growing cannabis. It's why I called the show Free Weed because I realized from you that once you grow your own and you're free to give some away to friends and share that the idea of a $60 eighth and, and, and taxes and all of that just washes away. It's ridiculous. And, and, and the thought of it, you know, it, it should be practically free. You mentioned tomatoes. I mean, it, it, it's the cost is all in the risk. And the idea that these dispensaries are still going to be charging us over $60 for an eighth is preposterous. You know, it's you know, just you're bringing not- me back when I when I was a kid, when I was like a early teen. You know, when I was first hanging out in cars with friends or driving, my favorite—I used to say—my favorite act. Actually, my only act that I purposefully, regularly did of my favorite act of civil disobedience was smoking while I was driving down the road behind a cop. So, you know, if like so other people would be afraid, you know, you see the cop other than me, if the cop was in front of me where I, cause like he, he doesn't have eyes behind his head. That was when I'd light up the joint and just, and feel, you know, 
and growing was certainly that, you know, growing was, became after, after I got a little older, growing became my favorite act of civil disobedience. And you know me long enough. I'm not a really a, a, a rumple your feathers kind of guy. I am a little more towards the hippie side, but my intentions were always to either better myself or to help someone else better themselves. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, the disregard for the government or the, or either. It was just that I had just found a way to immeasurably change my life. And then someone gave me a quote unquote, a megaphone or a, a soapbox to tell other people about that. And that became my passion. That absolutely became my passion. So every time I had, you know, even as I was going along and I wasn't growing anymore, but now I was chronicling it for the first time. So I was going through these things in my head. I was sharing new things. It was like being in the living room with all my grower friends and being able to share, you know, oh, that brings me to this man. When I did this, it was just amazing. And I got to tell you about it. Yeah. Well, you know, the first article I read about growing cannabis organically was written by you. The first I heard of uh, growing veganically, uh, again, you know, with and, and that's plant based. Right. Like, I mean, that goes that's what the all the hype is, is about plant based foods right now and switching to a plant based <laughs> diet. Right. So, well, again, I got to tell you, were, you, you were a pioneer of that. You know, and, and we're talking about the organics was, you know, in the 90s, you were writing about organic growing organic cannabis in the 2000s. You were writing about growing plant based cannabis with non GMO plant. Look, it, I was living in California. I was living in the non GMO capital of the world. And I had the two crunchiest hippie friends named Ray and Taya spelled W-R-E-Y, that was the man, and Taya, T-A-I-A, okay? Great people. I hope you're out there listening still. And they were, um, they were vegans, and I would eat their house, and, and, and literally it fell in my lap because they mentioned that there was a vegan line of soil and nutrients, you know, the, the Viga line by Canna. Mm-hmm. And it sent me down that whole that whole uh, that whole trip of you know, like I said, it's been a given. It, it's been a it's been a uh, 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 this wonderful uh, karmic me giving and giving back. You know, I'd give to the community, or I'd write something about something, and then something would come back, and I'd learn something more, and then I'd get to learn that and give that back. You know, mm-hmm. and then I'd learn some more. Absolutely. And to be clear for, for listeners, uh, I just want to mention the difference between organic and veganic is, is a big difference because uh, most of the, the, the potent, you know, the powerful uh, nutrient that comes in organics comes from slaughterhouse, uh, uh, you know, materials, bone meal, blood meal. Those are organic things and they are ways for the meat industry to sell the bone and the blood that's left over from the industry. Now I'm let me make a very good distinction here. It is you're, you're absolutely right, but it, it is the animals are inextricably intertwined with agriculture. Okay. If you have animals on your property, 
if you don't utilize the byproducts from them, the piss and the poop, and you just collect, then it becomes hazardous waste that you have to remove from the property. So, or get, or so farming would never have even been, wouldn't on, on any scale, wouldn't even be possible today if farmers weren't allowed to utilize those products. And early on, let me, let me rant for another 30 seconds. Early on, that was a great idea because when the earth was newer, all the stuff coming out of these animals, whether you squished them in a grinder or whether you just used their poop or their piss, all the stuff wasn't as dirty as it is now. It was much cleaner. It wasn't as high in heavy metals. It wasn't loaded with antibiotics. It wasn't loaded with uh, poisons from um, uh, pesticides. So, so the so the animal juice that we were using was much cleaner. Now it's much heavier and laden with mostly heavy metals. And that's what collects in the organs and the blood of animals is the heavy metals. So that's why when you smoke a really good organic bud and then you smoke a really good veganic bud, there's going to be a noticeable difference and the veganic is going to be smoother. It's the absence of the heavy metals. Right. And so without being able to use uh, bone meal, blood meal, uh, liquid fish, uh, bat guano, seabird guano. What are you left with? I mean, I, obviously there's kelp, but uh, what else? What else can provide uh, sustenance for for plants to grow? So, you know, I've been selling Vega Matrix now since 2014, and uh, we're like one of three major uh, veganic nutrient lines on the planet. And um, it's a pretty complicated process. You have to uh, take a large amount of biomass and ferment it down to get a sufficient amount of mostly a, uh, nitrogen and potassium, most, mostly nitrogen. And then your phosphorus comes from uh, mine rock phosphate. And um, so what you do is you take, uh, you take uh, soy grain solubles, which is basically a fancy term for uh, the stuff that's left at, at, at the bottom of the fields before they till it back into the soil, the stumps of the, the plants, whether you're growing corn or you're growing soybeans or you're growing cotton. And so what you do is you take those, uh, uh, those stumps and you ferment it and you get the nutritive juice out of it. And it's really comp It's not complicated. It's just, it's, it's labor intensive and it's more akin to winemaking and it makes my nutrient quite expensive. And it's, you know, it's, um, it's for people who are into an artisanal product and, um, you end up with something that has 1000 times lower heavy metals than any product you can produce with organic farming because organic farming, as you know, nobody can label their cannabis organic yet because organic mm -hmm. is owned by agencies, but there is a limit and the limit is one part per million of arsenic, cadmium, mercury, and lead. You can have up to one part per million of those substances in an organic peach or a banana or meat or whatever. And with cannabis, generally it's in the half of that, 0.5 part per million, 0.1 part per million. But it's always up, it's always up in the parts per million. But veganic cannabis tests in the parts per billion. And that's 1,000 times lower of a scale. So between... 300 and 600 parts per billion. And that's where the ultimate smoothness comes from. So you're not smoking heavy metals. 
That's what makes it real medicine so that people with fibromyalgia or serious um, migraine headaches that are triggered by small amounts of impurities, you know, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Here in New York and in a lot of places where people are, are, are allowed home grow, uh, there's a limit on the amount of plants. So here we have six plants per person, 12 per household. Um, so it's important to keep plants short and stocky uh, and promote branching. And I notice on your Instagram and, and knowing you and seeing how you grow for over the years, um, you have like your own kind of system of super cropping. Can you talk a little bit about how people can yield more from each plant uh, in these small growing growing type situations like a four by four tent okay how, how many minutes is this dialogue because this is i've done I, i'm joking i'm being funny <laughs> but I, I i've done three hour seminars on super cropping hour blocks so you know all of what, what, what i call super cropping is basically any technique that uh increases yield or decreases the amount of time it takes to get to flowering. In other words, it shortens your veg time. You know what I'm saying? So any technique that does that to me is a super cropping. And obviously I didn't make up all of them, right? Um, everybody talks about the twisting and the breaking technique. That's really the one that I kind of brought to the crowd. When I met, I met a medical patient in Canada when I was working for high times, writing stories back in like 99 to 01 somewhere in there and this kid was growing in his mother's basement allowed to grow i don't know what it was like two or maybe four plants that was the legal and that's what he was doing and you remember the big old parabolic reflectors with a vertical lamp in the middle well he made the plants into a stadium effect where every level of buds only came up two or three inches, but it went vertically out. And he did that by training the plant, by breaking it and bending it. There was no strings. There was no ties. He didn't use baling wire. I've seen people use baling wire to mold plants, to keep them really short and pinch them so that they can yield from fluorescence, right? So that they have them going all the way along the four-inch fluorescent tube with a thick, branch with every node just standing up so you get all these little popcorn nuts so this is something that you have to develop over time and i will say that um you have to balance your super how much you do to your plant to how large it is you can do a lot more to a larger plant some people ask when can i start you know they don't what they don't ask you'll see a little seedling that's four to six inches high and that barely has three nodes on it. And they're already twisting and breaking it and they're deleafing it and stuff. You have to wait until your plant is a foot tall before you do anything to it, before you take any leaves off of it. Let those, those leaves are all developing. And then you have to temper your, uh, your super cropping how much you're going to manipulate the plant to how big you want to grow it and how much light you have. When you have a lot of light, you can strip off a lot of stuff and it comes back really, really fast. If you're under a fluorescent 400 led or a 400 
HID, you have to give the, t the plant time to grow in between any kind of manipulations you do. You can't, does that make sense? The more juice you're giving it, the more you can break it, the more stuff you can take off it because the more is going to come back. So I guess now you got to, so from what I've said, what would you ask me next? Cause I could just, I'll just wander off. <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, the, the, you have to obviously have a longer veg time to accomplish this. Right. Um, and that's the time when you can do this. And, and so there's a limited window there you're, you're describing between when the plant is about a foot tall until you induce flowering and between that period, what, what are, uh, how is that breaking, uh, and bending being accomplished? Like, so I think what, what I do, what I do is I look for the window about a week before flowering, meaning I've still got one week of solid vegging, you know, and that's about judging your size. Right. And that's when I defoliate for the first time and remove what I call sucker branches. And I kind of shape the plant, you know, give it a nice hairdo, you know, so that it goes from this, this unruly looking bush to something that, you know, you can kind of see the whole structure of the plant. And that means taking all the nodes up to the tip or just to, to leaving three tips and, and my the distinguishing thing is the reason why my plants grow back so quick is, is because I don't defoliate those leaves in between. I'm very delicate to pull out the node and leave that leaf relationship to the main stem. So I end up with a stem that has still has a few main leaves on it, removing the inner leaves and leaving the outer leaves on each of the branches that are not feeding any, no longer feeding any node. So now the energy going from those leaves that I've left go right to the tip or the three nodes that I left at the tip. And the plant starts to grow twice as fast overnight as it did after you prune it. So it's very important to prune all the gardens in the plant in one session. Because if you prune half your garden or you know, prune 10 plants and then prune 10 plants and then 10 plants and 10 plants. By the time you get to that fourth 10, the first 10, it will have already have grown 20% because it's not feeding all of that underage, all that lower nodage, all the lower, and everything's opened up receiving direct light from the leaves you left. Am I painting a picture? Oh, yeah. Now, for people that are interested in finding out more, uh, you have a series of videos created specifically for beginner growers, uh, How to Grow Marijuana Indoors, A Beginner's Guide. Uh, can you let people know where they can find those videos, uh, your Instagram, and any more information that they might want to find out from you or find out about your cultivars as well? Absolutely, man. I'm, a, I'm having a good year this year. My All of my legacy genetics are back in-house and Actually, I just chopped down some grape ape last night for the first time in six years. Oh, the candy smell. Um, I've got the grape ape, strawberry cough, the starberry cough, all being distributed by Dark Heart Nursery throughout California. It's like a dream come true after all these years. I'm finally, um, you know, people, where can I get your stuff? Where can I get your stuff? Well, um, my genetics are going to be, are, are, are now available 
throughout California, thanks to Dark Heart Nur Nursery. And I just gave them about a month ago my Cherry Lopez, my old school Cherry Lopez, which is the Adonai Kush strawberry cough cross. And um, that led to the love, which at one time, um, High Times wrote as their best tasting hybrid in history, love. I called it love. And uh, yeah, and uh, so this, the series you mentioned, um, the grower series is available at uh, homegrowncannabisco.com. And they're on Instagram as well as Homegrown Cannabis Co Homegrown World. And uh, I've been with them now, man. Time really flies. I think I'm on my fifth year. I think I'm on my fifth year making videos with them. And um, wow, yeah, there's a whole series on how to and super cropping and uh, cloning. And man, we've gone through the gambit of everything. And we've even done some funny uh, spoofs of like Forrest Gump and uh, 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 Say Anything. And there's some really fun videos on there too. And you should definitely go check them out. And me, of course, on Instagram, Kyle Cushman 420 um, the only person with the blue check. Please don't buy anything from anybody online. I don't sell things online. So many scammers. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we didn't even get to talk strawberry cough at all, but uh, we'll save that for the next show. I feel like we've peeled some onions to the layer so uh maybe we'll we'll get to that another time but uh i had a great time at the at the show with you i was really great to see you uh and uh your better half and uh, <laughs> and smoke strawberry you too. and, and smoke <laughs> a strawberry cough with a large group of people all smoking it all at the same time it was really quite a moment there where uh we all got to puff on the cough with you and together with each other uh, and it's was Cough really that I grew with my right. we were smoking me we were all because <laughs> as you know when you smoke good weed you're smoking the grower and you're smoking the person who cured who dried it and cured it the person who spent time checking it every day yeah. to make sure yeah. when you put it in the bag when it gets cleared and bucked yeah you're smoking the grower so that was fun that was thanks thanks for doing that with me my my grow me <laughs> it was it was my pleasure and uh, yeah you're smoking the grower you're smoking the love. Uh, and, uh, thank you again for, uh, always being a friend of the show and, uh, we're, we're brothers from another mother plant <laughs> we're cut from the same clones and we're tied uh, at the roots. Yeah. Love you, brother. I love you. Hey, much love, Danny, Mike G keep doing it. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you to Kyle Cushman and, uh, we will be back with the growth segment after these messages. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweetleaf plant nutrients. Sweetleaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. 
If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweet Leaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweet Leaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. Hey, all right. Welcome back. And uh, thank you to Kyle Cushman, as always. Uh, Always a great guest and fun to have on the show. Um, We're now in this cultivation segment. And it's been a fortnight. (laughs) And yes, this is a fortnight. And yes, this is a fortnight. Strain Strain of the the fortnight. fortnight. What do you got for us us this week? Strain Strain of the the fortnight. fortnight. Strain of the Fortnite. Oh, yeah. Well, that song, of course, means it is time for our Strain of the Fortnite. What do you have for us this Fortnite, Dan? Yeah, so this one is uh, also in tribute to a guest we just recently had on the show, uh, Miss Jill. She developed the Jilly Bean years ago uh, when she was still with uh, TGA. Uh, Team Green Avenger, and uh, it's really an amazing strain. It's a hybrid uh, of Orange Velvet and Space Queen. So, uh, clone-only Orange Velvet female uh, was crossed with the Space Queen male to create the Jilly Bean. Um, And even though it's like somewhat indica dominant, I guess you know seventy percent or so indica dominant, um, which for growers is great because it stays short and stocky, and Finishes pretty quickly as well, uh, but really has uh, kind of the, the the effects of a sativa. So very euphoric, um, very, you know, uplifting effect. And it's got that real sweetness to it, too, um, which TGA was really known for. Uh, tangy oranges, uh, mango, like a sweetness um, that's kind of hard to put your finger on. Um, but certainly mood elevating uh, and... Uh, more on the citrus side than the gas side of things, um, but uh, still has a skunky uh, undertone as well. So it's a really interesting one. It's, it works great for sea of green and screen of green. Um, and if you drop the temperature a little bit, uh, either naturally or uh, with air conditioning, towards the end of flowering, uh, late in the flowering period, Uh, You'll get some really deep burgundy uh, maroon colors on the leaves. Um, Really interesting fall coloring as well. Uh, It's really some amazing uh, cannabis, the Jilly Bean. And actually, Miss Jill told us that it's some of the best tasting weed she's ever smoked. Um, It reminds her of a candy store, and it makes her laugh and puts her in a better mood, uh, which is great. And she noted uh, a couple of episodes back when she was a guest on the show uh, that she has now crossed Jilly Bean with a bunch of different other strains to create uh, a whole new line of Jilly Bean hybrids, um, which you can check out at MissJill.com. Uh, and you can see uh, there's a bunch of different, there's Jilly Bean Black Cherry, there's Jilly Bean Bubblegum, uh, Jilly Bean Cherry, F2s of the Jilly, a grape version, a lime version, all available in regular and feminized seeds. So um even jilly glue which is pretty uh sounds amazing i have not tried that but it sounds uh pretty amazing if it's got the 
the attributes of those two strains. So um, check it out, MissJill.com. Uh, Jilly Bean is our strain of the Fortnite, and I hope you guys get a chance to grow it um, and smoke it because it's uh, it's fantastic. And like she mentioned, if you check out Miss Jill Genetics, you can see a bunch of uh, a bunch of other strains that they have available as well. Uh, so salute to Miss Jill and uh, the Jilly Bean strain and the many other strains she has there in her roster. Uh, and that is our strain of the Fortnite. And an excellent strain of the Fortnite at that. I've always been a big fan of the Jilly Bean. So uh, it is time in the show for a little lesson plan. Each week, Dan likes to uh, give a grow tip that's going to help you become a better cultivator. So what are you going to cover this week? Yes. So this week I want to talk about dealing with fungus gnats. Uh, these are very annoying uh, bugs that are practically impossible to catch uh, with your hands. You know, they're just so light, uh, very annoying. Uh, and, you know, they can, you know, they're not the most damaging insects the way that um, uh, spider mites or thrips will just feast on your plants. Uh, but they're really a pain. And their larvae, in particular, uh, will feed on your plant roots, uh, causing some damage to your plant. And just having their, their presence around uh, is, it, it's annoying. It also encourages other bugs, and it's an indicator of overwatering. Uh, you're probably, the top layer of your plants, of your soil mix or whatever you're using, is probably uh, too moist. Um, so the best way to avoid the problem of fungus gnats altogether uh, is to not provide them with a comfortable home. Uh, they prefer that top layer of your pots. They prefer that nice and moist and warm as well. Um, so instead, you could bottom feed your plants uh, using a wick system. Some containers are self-watering containers that have a reservoir at the bottom you can fill up. Uh, those are great to use. Um, they're especially made to water from below like that. So you put your nutrient solution in there. The plant roots will pull the water right up through uh, the soil. And then you don't, uh, you avoid having that moist top layer uh, where there's really not a lot of roots anyway. Um, so they'll pull up what they need. They, you know, if they've sensed that there's water down there, uh, they will use capillary action to suck it right up uh, into them. And so you're creating that, you're making that top layer less desirable for the fungus gnats to even move in and lay their eggs and then just float around all the time, annoying you and uh, competing again with your roots for, for, uh, um, for space uh, with the larvae. So once you've determined that you have them, uh, you know, you gotta have those yellow sticky traps up. Uh, the reason those traps are yellow is because they're the color of uh, a dying leaf. So the plant is gonna attack yellow. I mean, the, uh, sorry, the bug is going to attack any part that's yellow on the plant. So if you have yellow sticky traps up, they're like canaries in a coal mine. Um, the bugs will go to those first uh, and you'll be able to see uh, any kind of infestation before it becomes a problem because you'll see them right there on the yellow, on the yellow sticky trap. Uh, and like I said, they're attracted to that color for a reason. So take yellow leaves off your plants, uh, not to attract bugs to your leaves either. Um, to get rid of the younger larvae of the uh, fungus gnats, you can drench your soil with a, a biological larvicide. Uh, a popular one is a natural. Uh, you do that twice weekly for a month uh, and 
that will definitely uh, get rid of a lot of the younger larvae and it'll cut down their life cycle. Their life cycle is less than eight days. Uh, so you should get rid of them pretty quickly if you attack the larvae and the, the living ones in the air at the same time. Um, otherwise, the cycle continues and you'll never really ever get rid of them. So my suggestion is try to avoid them first off, as with all pests, uh, IPM starts with uh, prevention. And then if you have them, you know, obviously use yellow sticky traps, whether you have bugs or not. Uh, you can even make them yourself. You don't have to buy them. You can just take yellow pieces of paper, put something sticky on it and make it if you don't uh, have them at the store or are readily available. Uh, and that is your canary in the coal mine. Anything that sticks to that yellow uh, stickiness there will be a sign that there's more of them out there. And then you can uh, drench your soil with the natural or, or another biological larvicide uh, in order to get rid of the larvae and therefore get rid of the, you know, the breeder where they're coming out of. So that is my wrap on uh, dealing with fungus gnats. Not the worst problem in the world because they're not going to destroy your crop uh, for the most part, unless, you know, there's thousands of them, but very annoying and definitely something you want to get rid of. You don't want them flying around. You don't want them in your buds that you're eventually going to dry up and cure. Uh, you don't want their larvae in the soil. So, um, that's how to deal with and get rid of, of the issue of fungus gnats. All right. Remember you can't spell fungus gnats without fun. Uh, <laughs> That was our grow tip for episode 87, and now it is time to take some questions from our listeners. And if you have a question uh, you would like answered, get in touch with us. You could email us at info at growbudyourself.com. Let's jump right in here with Growabud, and he writes, uh, Hey guys, I'm flushing, and I'm trying to work with a few different flowering timelines, which meant I had to start flushing one plant before the other five. How do you know when a plant is flushed enough? I'm growing Biscotti and Skywalker OG, and the crystals look cloudy with some amber. They are at the earliest part of being ready, but the PPM is higher in the runoff than I expected. I haven't had time to sit and examine the trichomes to estimate the percent of amber trikes, but they're definitely there on all the plants. I just want to make sure I have clean, burning, high-quality cannabis. Thanks for your awesome podcast. So what would you say to grow a bud? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I guess the question is, how do you know when your plant is flushed enough? And if you're saying that the PPMs are still pretty high on the runoff, um, higher than you expected, that's really the best way to tell. Um, if you Sometimes if you're using uh, organic nutrients, you can kind of tell by the color of the runoff because uh, it's it'll be much darker if there's a lot of nutrient content still in your soil mix. Uh, but if the PPMs are high, higher than you expected, I would run more water through. And remember, you know, it's you you want to run the water through pretty, you know, uh, solidly. Like you you want to, if it's a five gallon bucket, you want to use you know fifteen gallons of water to flush. Let it, you know do it in the in the tub and let it really run off. Uh, you don't just want to water like you regularly regularly water with just plain water and a little bit of runoff. You want a decent amount of runoff happening. So. Uh, water with more plain water than than you're using at the moment, and you should end up seeing those PPMs go down pretty quickly. Um, the amount of time you need to flush really depends on how much you feed the plant. 
I would start, you know, if, if you feed uh, strongly throughout the whole plant's life and you've got some burnt leaf tips and signs of overfeeding, then I would say a two-week flush minimum. But I think if you feed lightly throughout the life of the plant, you can get away with a week-long flush. But remember, a flush isn't the same as uh, just watering the regular way you water, but without nutrients in the solution. It really means using more water uh, volume than you would normally use of nutrient solution and really letting that water flow out. So if you need to put them in the, in the bathtub uh, and to run the water through, I would do so. And don't use uh, cold or warm water. You want you know basically room temperature or slightly warmer water when you do this as well because you don't want to shock the roots uh, with anything cold. Uh, but that's my advice. I, I feel like uh, maybe there's not as much runoff happening as you need to have uh, for a true flush. So try more plain water running through, and I think you'll see those PPMs go down pretty quick. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we hope that helps you out there, Grow a Bud. Let's move on to the Katika, who writes, uh, Hey, Dan, I was wondering if you could give me a ventilation tip. I'm switching my 1010 grow tent from a sealed room to a ventilated one. Every time the AC kicked in, the tent would uh, be squeezed inward and it just doesn't seem right. So instead of running the AC all the time, I would rather ventilate the tent really well. What size intake and exhaust fans would you recommend? I have a 1000 watt, a two 600 watt, and a couple of induction 420 lights. Should the intake and exhaust be the same uh, rating CFM, or should I intake less and exhaust more? What would you do? So, yeah, wh what do you think, Dan? Yeah, okay, so uh, it's an interesting question, so I'm going to break it down a little bit. With grow room ventilation, um, you're trying to do two different things. You're removing the spent air um, and the heat and even some of the moisture from the air. You're removing that. Um, and you're providing fresh, cool air to your plants. Um, so you want to be able to clear the air from your grow room in about five minutes, uh, if you can. Um, so it's different based on the size of the grow room, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, if you pull that air any quicker, you're going to risk dehydrating your plants as well. Um, and uh, growth can kind of stagnate when the growth will stagnate when the plants don't have enough moisture in the air. Um, and there's several other factors to determine, such as whether your lighting's air-cooled uh, and vented separately. I'm going to assume that uh, yours isn't. So for a 10 by 10 foot space, uh, assuming you have 8 foot ceilings, uh, which is basically average, your cubic footage is going to add up to about 800 uh, CF, cubic feet. That means uh, you need an exhaust fan with a CFM rating of about 160 or so in order to remove the air every 5 minutes. Um, now keep in mind that carbon filtration uh, is going to slow the airflow, uh, so you're going to boost that rating accordingly if, if it's coming out through carbon filters. Any bends that you have in the tubing is going to slow it down as well. So I would actually recommend not the 160 for you, but maybe a 240 CFM exhaust fan for your space if you're running through that charcoal filtration or you have bends in the tubing. Um, now, pulling out air stronger than you draw it into your space is going to create negative pressure as well and pull extra air through any kind of cracks you might have under the doors. Um, that's going to cut down on the amount of odor that can escape. Um, but I would also make sure you have at least one or several oscillating fans, uh, one per every four square feet or so, 
uh, in your space. So for 10 by 10, I would say maybe three, four oscillating fans uh, strategically placed to distribute the fresh air that you draw in from below, uh, from the lower part of your grow, um, and sort of pushing them towards your plants so that uh, then when they're spent uh, from of, of CO2 and move upward as they warm up as well, uh, you'll be sucking out the warm spent air and bringing in cool air because obviously, you know, we know that heat rises and as that air warms up and the CO2 is pulled out of it by the plants, it's going to rise and then get pulled out through your charcoal air filter. So for your 10 by 10 space, I would say bring it in at about 240 CFMs. Um, you don't always have to have the exhaust fan running either. You don't need to cut, pull that air out every five minutes all the time. You can have this on a timer. So it happens, you know, every 15 minutes or so. It really depends on uh, how you're controlling your environment, what your humidity and temperature levels are, how often you need to pull air out. Uh, but, you know, you've got a decent amount of light for a 10 by 10 space. Obviously, you said 1,000 watt, two 600 watts, and a couple of induction lights. So that's a lot of light. Um, you're going to want, you're going to have a lot of heat. So uh, pulling that heat out is uh, is important, but also you want to balance that with how much uh, how much CO2 is in the air and how much moisture is in the air. So that's my advice on ventilation. All right, very good. Um, let's uh, let's do one more here. This one comes from Chucky Tricomb, and he writes, uh, "Hey guys, I have a newbie grow question." I've heard that there are certain strains that require a larger or smaller concentration uh, of the three main macronutrients in order to help the plant reach its full potential. I'm wondering if there are any strains that require different concentrations of micronutrients or do better in certain grow mediums, and if this is something that will have a significant enough effect for it to be worth worrying about. So, yeah, what, what would you say to Chucky? Yeah, I, what I would say is, yes, there are strains that have different nutrient requirements for sure uh, than other strains. Um, typically, sativa-dominant strains tend to be lighter feeders uh, than indicas, uh, meaning they need lower quantities of parts per million of NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, as well as micronutrients, which you mentioned. Uh, so I would tend to lightly feed sativa dominant plants more so than indicas that can be more uh hogs um like you know plants like hash plant um granddaddy perp those are big nitrogen hogs they require heavier feeding uh, than most hybrids or sativas um some plants prefer to be watered more often than others really the best thing you can do is grow a strain out many times take a lot of notes um, in order to learn its requirements and preferences. And once you get to know a strain, you'll instinctively be able to process what it's asking you for and how much of that to provide. Um, but I wouldn't worry too much about uh, specific strains requiring specific amounts of newts. I would just start with lower amounts and work upwards rather than starting with a lot of uh, newts and, and then trying to dial it back. All right, very good. Uh, we hope that helps you out there, Chucky. That is going to do it for the uh, cultivation segment of episode 87. Um, thanks to everybody who wrote in. 
If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. The best way is email, and that is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a short break and then come back and wrap this one up? Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Hey, all right. Thank you for sticking around. This is The Wrap. Uh, I want to say thanks to Kyle Cushman. Uh, Thanks to everyone uh, at OMG Productions and Nick from the Citadel. Thanks to our sponsors, Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. We've got codes uh, for 15% off here, 10% off there. Uh, We've got a Vapor.com code for 20% off everything at Vapor.com. They've got it all, all the vaporizers, uh, all the rolling papers, everything you need all the accessories use the code grow bud yourself 20 for 20 percent off at vapor.com uh i want to thank all our patreon supporters uh if you're curious and you want to join you can join for only four dollars and 20 cents a month at the lowest level uh and you'll get stickers and a note and um some some nutrients from sweet leaf uh so it's well worth it well for what you get for joining and also uh you know, the bonus episodes as well, bonus questions and, and bonus videos. Uh, we're hoping to reach a hundred patrons soon. So please join up, even if it's just $4 and 20 cents a month. Uh, there's higher levels where you can get a bunch of merch and other cool stuff as well. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, you can stream us on YouTube, on your smart TV, uh, and listen to us anywhere that podcasts are available. Tell your friends, grow your own, Episode number 87, let's put it in the books.